Yeah, just like Michelle's saying, this week has always been a, for a couple of us, just some like curveballs that have ah, come and uh, taken me, I think, by surprise and quite a couple people. But I think the it's amazing we get caught up so quickly in our emotions and, and God just comes and actually just calms it. Um, it's something that we've had to learn to surrender this week. So this morning, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm really excited. I am slightly nervous, but that's probably a good thing. Um, we've just been going, as you guys know, through an incredible series of, I think, growing up and, and looking at what Andrew said last week about having a soft heart and hard knees and, and, and being encouraged to walk into that space with God and to, to commune with Him and to spend time with Him. And I think this morning I'm going to follow through from that, but I'm going to say like, when we go through that time of God softening your heart and having those hard knees in it, there's a time to stand again. And there's a time to actually just like stand up and, and now it's time to go. So this morning I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a couple of questions. I'm going to go through a couple of things. But I thought about like, what is the fruit of spending time with God? What is it that we get from it? What does that mean in terms of the, the life we lead when we leave that quiet place and we interact with people and our family and our colleagues? And, and I want to ask a question today. Who is someone that you look up to as an example in the way that they live their lives? I've got mine. I know you guys have got yours. But I think we have the incredible privilege of not just in community, but actually outside of it before I got saved, of, of, of looking to people and, think, and taking like, actually, I want a little bit about what they have. The way they live their life, the way they love, the way they handle their finances, the way that they, they steward what they have. There's something of an admiration for the way that they handle their lives. And I want to say this morning, as a community, who are the people that we look up to? Who are the people that we look to as an example for how we choose to live our lives? So the question I want to say, like, if you've got that one person in your head or those few people that you look at that you admire, what are the traits that they carry? I want to get a couple answers from guys. Well, what are the traits in that person that you admire? You can just call them out if you've got them. Sorry? Integrity. Good. Trustworthiness. Sincere. Wisdom. Two more. Humility. Steadfastness. Good. And I think that's the thing today is, if you look at those traits, you've got to ask, where did they develop them? Where was it cultivated? Where was their example? Where did they look? And previously, before I got saved, I looked at guys that had those traits, but I was never sure where they came from. And I had the privilege in my own life of having a grandparents that lived that life. They were my example. They were the people that I looked at and I realized like the, the way they loved was intense, but soft. The way they suited their finances, the way they, they just handled people gently. And then as I got to know who God is, I got to realize that actually... The core of who their character is was defined by Jesus. It was defined by the traits that we learn about Him, and they slowly become your own. So this morning, I want to go just quickly into Philippians 1, verse 9 to 11, where it says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And as we go as a church into a new season, we, we look at the maturity that we feel God's calling us into. 
the stepping up, the growing up, what does that entail? And in the world, I, I've got examples of people that are spiritually mature and then there are the people that are not. People that are emotionally mature and that are not. And I think for us, the incredible thing about walking this road with Jesus is that actually spiritually mature for us is a holistic maturity. As we grow in depth and maturity spiritually, that encompasses our emotions, it encompasses our minds, it encompasses our hearts. It's this holistic approach that Jesus has to building us up to be the, man, the men and women that he's called us to be so that we may be effective for his kingdom. That as it says in Philippians, to the glory and praise of God. That is who we're called to be. So what does that mean? Who is our example? Our example is Jesus. I, I think so much this week about the way that he walked, the way that he lived his life, and even on the road to the cross, how much he still loved and carried that maturity all the way to his death. At the end of the day, the encounter with the man next door on the cross to him and actually just the, the way that he could still love through deep pain and deep sadness. And I think so often I look at my life when I'm in deep pain and deep sadness, it is the, the, the hardest to love, the hardest to have grace, the hardest to actually show that character. But it's an example that I've been extremely encouraged and have been encouraged to not just this last week, but these last couple of months. Just from May to now, like, it's just been a storm in my life of like my dad being shot to relations taking knocks to feeling like my own character is taking knocks. But actually, when, when those storms come, I see the maturity in myself that has been years and years of building a relationship with God. And when that moment comes where you can see it in yourself, it's all worth it. It's worth the pain. It's worth the sadness. It's worth the, the discipline that Warren says that it takes to dive deep. And I look at it and I think, I've had to learn to honor people when it's been the hardest to honor them. And that is something that I've learned for us. I think if we're going to step into a season as a church, are we willing to love even when we feel like we don't need to love them? Are we willing to forgive when we feel like we, we are justified in our pain and unforgiveness in the way that they handled us. So my next question, I'm going to quickly read Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I look at the people in my life that I've had the privilege of having an example of walking with God, and there's three things that stand out to me. The consistency in the way that they live. They're not swayed by the wind. They're not swayed by culture. They are not swayed by people's opinions. And I think that's where we've been called to as a church. From that place of, of, of hard knees and a soft heart, you, we have to step up. You have to rock up to the place where God says, meet me here and then walk with me. There has to be this encounter and this exchange with them of actually like, would you walk with me? Yes, I will. It's a choice you have to make. Perseverance through trials and wisdom. There's no other way. I was listening to a podcast this week and it basically was talking about how when guys ask for wisdom and this and this, it never looks the way that 
we picture how we receive those gifts. It's like my, my, my opa always used to joke with my grand. My grandma would always pray for him for wisdom. And my grandma would eventually say, stop praying for wisdom. I've had enough because I keep getting trials. It's like, actually, just stop. I can't take any more. But there's a reality to that fact. There is an incredible reality. But the thing is, we get lost in the moment that we don't see the fruit of what is building underneath. And that fruit comes out later on. You never see the fruit when you're going through it. And this year for me has been that space where when we start to back ourselves in the journey that we're walking and the consistency to which we live, you start to recognize the fruits in your own life because you'll notice that the people around you will start to thrive. You may not see it in yourself, but it's not for you. It's not completely for you. There is an ob- We don't know who is on the other end of our obedience. We don't know who is on the other end of our praise. We don't know who is on the other end of our consistency. And I can see that with, with children. I, 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 I've seen it so regularly where they just watch. They have this intent desire to just they'll watch you for a couple minutes and you feel like you're being analyzed. And the thing is you are. And for those of you that have kids, you bring them here on a weekly basis. Thank you for your consistency. Thank you for your consistency. Thank you for rocking up, stepping up, and being present. It's an example that you will maybe never see the fruit of to those around you, but I'm telling you it will bear fruit. Knowledge. What is your truth? What is the truth? That's the thing in the world. I love it on social media. My truth is. I say, is it? That's great. But it won't last. My truth, my truth. No, no, no. The truth of the gospel is the truth. That is the truth that will define whether you bear fruit or not. That is the truth that will define whether you are consistent or not. That is the truth. The, the fruit of our lives will be solely from being connected to the vine. And I, and I love that because the next question is, are we as a church becoming the people that others will look to and see the life and maturity across in us? Do you speak with life? Do you speak with maturity? Are you bearing fruit that resembles maturity? Or are you swayed by the wind? Are you swayed by seasons? Are you swayed by government's decisions? Are you swayed by cultural desires are you are you swayed by your emotions or have you learned to discipline all of those together bring them under the submission of Christ and let maturity flow John 17 verse 13 I'm coming to you now but I'll say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world anymore then I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Are you being sanctified? Are you truly being sanctified? Are you truly submitting? Are you truly finding joy? And the season for me, as much as all of us, are, I just look at the stories the last couple of weeks, it's like joy will come 
when you're rooted with hard knees and a soft heart. Perspectives will be changed. Your heart posture will be recorrected. Your emotions will not sway you. Actually, truth will come and you will find joy in the midst of struggles. I look at myself this week and I, I realize very quickly that I'm preaching to myself because as the news came on Wednesday that I would need the operation on Monday, I just thought of all the things that I'd lose. All the things that brought me joy that I would lose. All the ways that I have loved to connect with people that I would lose. And then I stopped and I thought, but actually if God is for me, there will be a new joy that will come from something else. There will be a new way that I will learn another aspect of His heart for me in a way that He will still use me to connect with people. There will still be a way that He will use me to love people. It will just look different. And then you've got to readjust and say, like, where are your priorities? Where's your heart? Where are your idols? What do you hold too tightly that God's saying, actually, give it to me? Sport has been my passion. It's been my joy. It's been my expression. It's been my, my love outside of people. And again, this has to be a thing of when I first started playing football for, for Tux, I remember getting injured the first time. If I had known back now, I would have gone for the MRI back then. But I didn't. Five years later, and here we are. But I remember God saying, would you give it up? Would you give up your dream of, of playing competitively and professionally if I asked you to? And I remember that moment was again, as I first got saved, it was like, nobody can't take everything from me. And he's saying like, no, I won't take it, but I'm asking if you'd give it. And I remember giving it to him and then finding community and church and getting saved through the process. And if I look at the reward to what was the sacrifice, it far outweighs. Eternity was the prize that I got gifted with. Something got taken away, but God will always replace what you give him, and you'll give it back, but it'll look different, and you'll give it and take, and give and take. It's this beautiful dance of submission, and you learn his love for you. You learn how much he actually has planned. What are the priorities of our lives? It's a tough question to ask, but I want to ask you this morning, what do you prioritize? Do you prioritize your finances? Do you prioritize your desires, you prioritize your dreams, who is the priority of your life? In marriages, I know that you guys are one, but I've seen incredible examples of still prioritizing God above the other because I've seen the fruit of people that prioritize God first bear more fruit into their marriage than when they don't. I've seen it in myself. I've had the example, unfortunately, of parents that didn't prioritize God and therefore never learned to prioritize each other, so therefore they went astray. They lost the connection, they lost covenant, they, they lost the picture of the potential of what it could be because their priorities were not in line. I look at Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and all these letters to the church, and I feel like this morning there's another letter to us that's being written. That same thing that was applicable back then is still applicable now because people are still people. We haven't changed. As much as we think we've grown in all these technology spaces and advances, like we are still people at the core. We are still sinful. We still need Jesus to forgive us. We still need Christ. We are still flawed. We, st we still are, at, at times, childish and actually need someone to just say, actually, now it's just time to grow up. It's time to step up. It's not because I hate you. It's because I love you. It's because I see the the fulfillment of what can be. I see the potential locked up inside of you. There is more. 
Maturity is not a lack of freedom. Maturity means that we have freedom to not be swayed by anything else. When we have maturity, we are no longer swayed, but there is a responsibility to steward that freedom, to steward that maturity. Who are those on the other end of your maturity or your immaturity? We've all been, I'm so sure you guys can say this, we've all been on the end of that one person that makes really unhelpful comments and really like feels like what they're saying is so deep and there's wisdom to it, like, but there's a lack of depth. And I pray for this community that we would be a community that does not lack death with God. Because then when you speak and when you go out into your workspace, you will carry maturity and wisdom and you will speak that into other people's lives. Be gentle with your words. Be gentle with your actions. You don't know where people are at. I had the incredible privilege this week of actually just meeting up with, with three people that have gone through some intense trauma this week. There were four men, three including excluding myself, and I was the only one in that room who has a dad left. From 18 to 23 to 25 to 26, I was the only one who still had a dad. One lost it. His dad committed suicide. The other one, his dad got killed by an armed robbery in his home. His dad got shot in his bed. The other one, the same thing. Lost his dad to suicide. And I sat there and I was humbled by the fact that through all the trials they've experienced this year, I had I could have lost my dad in May. I didn't. I don't understand why. I don't understand why I didn't and they did. But I've seen the way that they speak. From the depths of pain, I see maturity. From the depths of sadness, I see growth. And I see that in you guys. Over this last year, there's... We could write probably a nice little like novel on all the stuff that we've gone through. And then I think like actually, but we are not alone in that space. We just know of people who are in that space. And I think if we go out into that city and you have conversations like Andrew with people at bars, you don't know their story. But I promise you, everyone has some deep pain or some deep hurt. But the difference is I see a maturity to those that pursue God. It's like you can walk straight. And true, and you have a direction, you know what you're chasing, you know the example that has been set, and those that don't have it are weighed. They're just swayed, and they go, and they go. It's like being tossed around by rapids. You hit rocks, you go under the water, and you can't breathe. And I feel like God allows us to go through rapids, but we've got a little bit more of a floaty device. And it's true, because He never gives us more than we can handle. And without that, I think, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have him. I don't know how people get through life when they don't have him. Each person's journey is unique. Don't let comparison steal the joy of your life. As you walk through that, in a community like this, we shouldn't be looking and saying, oh, but I want their life. We should be saying, I can learn from their life. Their life is not yours. Michelle, yours, your life and your story will connect with more people than I could ever imagine. Amy, the same. Warren, the same. Barry, Rebecca, the same. Enjoy the fact that there's a uniqueness in the way that God deals with you because you are uniquely designed to reach people that others can't. Look at the potential in that. Find the people that you can connect with because there's a longing for connection in this world that the church is able to meet. And then we show them Jesus. Relationship first. 
learn to love, learn to serve, learn to build a relationship with people, and you will already show them more of the heart of God than if you were to just start preaching to them off the first bat. I love Andrew's story this, this week of meeting with someone at a bar, and at the end of it, I asked him this week, I was like, did you tell them you're a pastor? And he said, yes, at the, at the end. Be careful with when you speak. There's incredible wisdom in when you say things and how you say it. And it's like, actually, that man learned more about Andrew and who he is before he said what he does. And I want to also just say, what you do is not who you are. Don't let your, your job become a priority. It's not defining your character and who you are. It's like, actually, that's something that you do. God is calling us first. I mean, we've said it a couple of times in the last little while. It's like, I'm more concerned about who I'm becoming than what I'm doing. Because if I'm becoming more like Christ, I know I'm far better off for the others on the other end of it than the job that I do. And there's fruit in both aspects. But this morning, I also just want to say, like, who are we becoming as a church? Are we representing Jesus in the way that he's called us to? Rock up, be present. Choose maturity. It's easy to choose the opposite. It requires less of us. It's easy. Super easy. It's not the way we're called to live. When you feel hurt, it's easy to just back off and say, like, actually, like, this, this, this. It's like, choose maturity. And you'll see that in a couple months' time when you look back, and in a couple more months' time when you look back, it's like, actually, if you're used to a soft heart and hard knees, it will come. It will come. I want to go back to the verse that we started off ages ago, and Andrew mentioned it again last week, Acts 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who needed. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Are we going to be the people that others look to in times of crisis? Is there a consistency to our life where actually like that is attractive when people go through storms? I thought about it. When you're, when you're in trouble, who's the first person you would call? That first person is someone that you trust, you know is reliable. Those for me have been the biggest impact that I've seen in church. As an example, I know offhand that I can call more than one person when I'm in times of crisis because I've seen their heart for me. I've seen the way that they love others. I know that they will be there. As a church and as individuals, we are called to be there for others, to love on them, to steward them, to guide them. But the biggest thing, just be present. Are we choosing to prioritize the things of the kingdom or the things of the world? I know it's difficult to, to make it to Sundays all the time, but I see the heart of this church is to continue to build that, and it's so at the front. And I think there's a reprioritizing for some of us that has to be made. Reprioritize the things of God. Not saying every Sunday, it's not a registry, but I've seen that it is good for you. I know it's good for you. 
it's not always easy, but I promise you, every time, like, there's weeks that I'm like, I am not coming to church. Like, I've had enough, I'm taking a break, I deserve it. And God's like, no, you need to go. And I come, and there's always an incredible encounter with someone that I didn't expect to have a conversation with. Or there's sometimes that I've gone, and actually there's just an encouragement from someone that's just spoken it to me that I needed. I'm on the other end of their obedience. I'm on the other end of their fruit, their maturity. I want to say this morning, let us be a people that are filled and actually have the fruit of the Spirit. I want to see it in our lives. Let's cultivate it, nurture it, grow it, feed it. We feed it with a soft heart and hard knees. And I think this, this year, last year has been the biggest privilege of my life to see how far we've come in such a short space of time. I think there's so much more. But there, there, there is such an opportunity that you have a choice to take it or not. And I love that. I feel like God's standing at the door saying, do you want to come in? Come into my house. Let me show you how it works. Let me teach you. Let me learn. But the other side of it is, if you're going to walk in, you've got to also learn to be teachable. Are you teachable? Are you willing to humble what you think is right for the truth? Are we being defined by the truth? Is this the truth that determines your life? Is it what sets the direction? Or is it just something we flip over to on a Sunday when we need a nice fluffy verse? Except if you flip to Leviticus or something like that. This will change the course of not just your life, but the generations to come. The kids that are running around here will be changed by the consistency, the knowledge that you speak into their lives, the, the way that you love, the way that you serve. And it doesn't take that much. In a world where it's become, in my generation, this individualistic like, I live for me world. What a waste. What a waste. What a waste of potential. What a waste of opportunity. I want to be the person that leaves their phone on because I want someone to call me when they need it. That's, a, that's why I leave my phone on. I leave my phone on for anyone that might need me because I will be there. I'll drop what I need. I will go there. I will be present because I've learned that I will be good for people because this is what's shaping me. I want to say you are good for people. You are good for your kids. You are good for your family. You are good for your colleagues. Find more of what that looks like. Find exactly how you can speak life into, into their lives. And like Andrew said, it's time now to step up and actually start to send out some invitations. Start a conversation with someone you don't know. Invite them to church. Just take step one. And let God do the rest. I've seen so many people that have just not done it because it requires, in their mind, too much. And I'm like, actually, the cost is too much. To not step in. To not actually. Like God will, in my mind, definitely use someone else, but why not use you? I want to see that. I want to see God move. And I've seen it already here, and I think there's more. I mean, this is a training ground to practice those things. Can you practice loving people? Can you practice gentleness? Can you practice kindness? Can you practice being present here? And then take it when you leave. What you learn here is not for here. <laughs> uh, here we will speak and, and preach the truth to you, 
what you do with it outside of the responsibility that God has put in your hands. I'm not responsible for your life. Angie's not responsible for your life. We want to see fruit come from your life. We will encourage you and open up doors if we can to see giftings grow, to see things being unleashed in you. But it's a gift that you've been given. Stewardship is yours. And at the end of the day, I might say something about your life, like actually let Jesus be the one that determines the final decision that's going to be made. That's like, if I can't help you, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. I'll be like, actually, I'm not good. Maybe Andrew. Go to Andrew. And Andrew will be like, oh, I'm not sure. Take it to Jesus. It's a, it's a, it's a Christianese answer, but actually that's the best place. Because that's where the heart is soft and the knees are hard. And when you leave that, there's growth, there's maturity, and it's so freeing. And I've seen that in myself, and I, it's, it's kind of addictive. When you see that growth in you, it's humbling, but you're like, there's more. And you're like, I want more, I want more. Because it's free. It's so free. Immaturity is a trap. Maturity is free. And then God's like, actually, we want this church to grow. How can we lead others if we can't learn to lead ourselves? Learn to lead yourself. Learn to love. And I promise you, God will bring the people. I always see the people like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. And you're like, oh, that's great. And you look at their life and you're like, okay. And God's like, oh, they're not bringing people into my life. And I want to be effective. I'm like, yeah, but there's an equipping first that needs to happen in yourself. God will bring people into your life. Choose the maturity. Choose to step up. Choose to take the opportunity that has been given. And I promise you, you will see God's hand move like you've never seen. When we eventually move from this venue, look at the potential of what God is allowing others to join. Look at the potential to the other people that you can invite through. Look at the potential that will become in you because it will be uncomfortable. It's never comfortable, but it's worth it. It's so worth it at the end of the day. It's like, actually, God, like I'll take it on. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but if you're with me, I can do it. So my prayer to you guys this morning, I'm going to go back. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father God, this morning I want to pray for Trinity Central. I want to pray for every man, woman, and child that is sitting here that is not here today. I pray, Father God, for your knowledge and your truth to define their lives. Father God, I pray that we would see maturity come through, Father God, being connected to the vine, that the, the fruit of the Spirit would be what we are known for. Father God, I pray that we would be those that would be stable in the midst of a storm, firmly rooted, Father God, in an identity that comes from you. Lord, I pray for opportunities to grow up. I pray for opportunities to speak life into others. Father God, I pray that you would bring people into all of our lives that we never would have expected to engage with. Father God, I pray that you would bless this church. I pray that you would bless this city through this church. Father God, I pray that your love would 
abound in their lives, Lord, that they would be consumed by the all that you have for us. For the potential, Father God, for dreams to be spoken into people's lives this morning. Father God, and for those sore little spots, I pray that you would continue to work in our lives, that we may represent you more, Jesus. You are the example. You are the pinnacle, Father God. You love it to the end. And we thank you for your sacrifice that we get to live in that freedom, Lord. I pray that we would be good for, for people in our lives, Father God, that we are good for those around us. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and just bring peace to the storm. Father God, I pray that you breathe life over us this morning. Father God, I thank you for the generations that will be changed because of this church. Because of these people that will be obedient to your calling, Father God, that generations will change because of one decision to be present. Father God, thank you for these people, Lord. I, I cannot wait to see what you will do in this coming year. This is just the beginning. And Lord, I pray that if anything, Father God, that everyone here would know that you are fallen and we are falling. We back you. We love you. We will speak life into you, Trinity Central. We will fight for you. And then we will let you run. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the privilege of being a part of a community like this where we get to see the life that is in you. In your name I pray. Jesus, amen. Amen.